You're listening to Grace and Fire, brought to you by Emerging Women. Today, my guest is Elle Luna. Elle is a designer, a painter, and a writer. And on April of 2013, she published an essay on Medium.com titled The Crossroads of Should and Must, which quickly went viral. Within weeks, it was tweeted to over 5 million people and seen by over a quarter of a million readers. Elle extended that post into an illustrated four-color book called The Crossroads of Should and Must, Find and Follow Your Passion, where she explains the importance of mistakes, of unlearning, of solitude, of keeping moving, and of following a soul path. She's also a speaker at Emerging Women Live in October in San Francisco this year, and we're happy to have her on the show. In today's episode, Elle and I spoke about dreams how to use them as signposts for what to go after in the, quote, real world, what L means by should and must, and how to make decisions towards must. Her belief that there is a rise of spirit and emergence going on right now in the collective. And finally, how must is not quite a decision, but rather, well, a must. Here's my conversation, Should versus Must, a daily practice of following your heart with the inspirational L. Luna. Hello, and welcome El Luna to the show. Hi, El. How are you? Hi, I'm great. I'm very excited to be chatting with you today. Yes, I'm so excited to dig in to this wonderful book, The Crossroads of Should and Must. And it's just such a beautifully laid out book. And you're an artist. You're an author. You're also a Silicon Valley startup survivor. <laughs> yeah, and it's just so interesting that those three worlds have come together in this book and it all just kind of like makes total sense. Mm. So, mm. Yes, I've never been called a Silicon Valley startup survivor, but I I think that feels very appropriate. Right? I mean, you've got a significant amount of experience here and with some very interesting companies and you... I don't even want to say you left it all behind because in a weird way, it feels like it's coming back again through the work that you're doing. Mm, interesting. Yeah, the the teams that I worked with are um, doing really interesting things. And I, I guess I kind of wonder if on some level we're sharing the same mission, uh, which is um, really about what do we need to build? What do we need to do um, in order to help people live better lives. And maybe that's, you know, with our own practice and our own self, or maybe that's about building tools that help others. But that mission definitely feels um, shared amongst the, the teams that I've been able to participate with. Yeah, and I know that you've been speaking at a lot of tech companies, um, bringing your work in there, and I, I just wonder if you ever thought that that would happen when you left that scene and became an artist. No, I think it was it was really a blank slate, you know, full stop. I, I, I didn't have any sense of what was ahead. I mean, it was just utter emptiness, which was simultaneously terrifying and very exciting. Um, it's it's sort of like you know when you sit down to a fresh journal and you open up the first page, and you you know you you just hover there with your pen and you're like, oh, I don't I don't know what to do, but I could do anything. Anything's possible. That's that's definitely how I felt. Um, yeah. And yeah, the the thought of being back there, of you know the the past circling in and back upon itself, um, was very unexpected. Yeah. Well, why don't we start with your crossroads of should and must and how you actually came to realize that choosing must was the only way for you. Mm, cool. Well, maybe before I start, because the, the story has an entry point for me, um, which is specifically around dreams. And mm. I'm curious to ask you, do you dream? I do. You do. And okay, so maybe last night, did you dream last night? I did dream last night. I have a recurring dream and I dreamt my recurring, one of my recurring dreams last night. Do you feel that you'd want to share it or is that 
something you keep to yourself? Um, no, it, it's, I dream of dwellings a lot, houses and homes. And there are maybe like three or four dwellings that I come to. And this one was not, it was familiar, but I was in a house and I was overlooking a body of water and all these dwellings, like they have different rooms and they have a view. And I'm always trying to, and it's someone else's house. This was someone else's house, but I'm sort of connected to it in some way. And I definitely feel like I'm looking for a sense of home and was sort of envious of this woman's home, you know, like because it was hers and she had this view and, you know, it was spectacular and I was comfortable there, but I kind of knew that it wasn't mine. So, mm. um, and yeah, there were these uh, relics that she was showing. And I mean, I don't know how deep we want to go. My dad was there. I have conflict with my dad, but he's old now. So like, you know, he's a cute old man. So I've forgiven him everything and I'm taking care of him. And he was in it and we were like looking at these gems and relics and rings and they look like kingly, you know, royal jewel type treasures. And yeah, and so that was the gist of it, of the dream. Wow. That's beautiful. Oh. Thank you for sharing that. Okay. That's beautiful. Treasures and gems and relics. I mean, just the... Now, I I subscribe to the belief that um, no one knows what dreams mean besides the dreamer. That the, you know the symbols for the dreamer are, are um, dependent upon the dreamer uh, themselves. So, um, but I certainly, you know, as I, as you talk about these symbols, they're, they're rich and beautiful and powerful. And the, the avenue into dreams is so, um, I, I guess it's very interesting to me. And I don't, I don't know if you know this, but um, I think, 60% of people say that they don't dream at all. Wow. Isn't that interesting? And of the people who do dream, um, scientists or researchers, folks who, who specialize in this sort of thing, say that we forget 90 to 95% of the dreams that we have. And the interesting thing about dreams is dreams is how our, um, our body um, largely the, the function of the right brain and, you know, all the way down to the, the limbic system, even down to the cellular level. It's how our, um, our soma or our body um, communicates to us. And um, dreams are one of those places where the, the thinking mind, the left brain function completely shuts down and the body can, can talk to us directly. And usually dreams tell us something that we don't already know, which I think is really interesting. Um, and I mean, just like your beautiful story, I had a recurring dream, um, that happened again and again and again, and I didn't really think much of it. I just kept having it until a very wise woman, um, asked me if I'd ever thought about, um, looking for that dream in real life. Like maybe that there was, you know, greater intelligence there. And, um, yeah, I don't know, have you ever thought about, you know, the abodes or the, the, this, you talk about this, you know, incredible water outside of the, the home. Do you, have you ever thought about looking for that place? You know, the place changes. That was the place of this dream. The dream's kind of the same where I'm in a dwelling that's not my own and I'm trying to like make it, you know, like find mine. There's a few dwellings that show up again and again, but you know, this particular, I'm in a landlocked, you know, it's funny because it was in Boulder and I'm, there's no body of water like this in Boulder. But now that you say it, uh, and that, you know, having read your book, it is an interesting concept to kind of go out and see if you can actually find the place that you have dreamt about. Interesting. Interesting. I mean, that's what happened to you, right? With your... Yes. Well, so I had a dream about a white room. It was also a dwelling of, of some sort, and um, I would walk into this white room. It had really tall walls. Uh, they were white. Um, warehouse windows ran the length of one of the walls. There were concrete floors, and it was the most serene place. And 
I would walk into this space and I would just sit down on the floor and I don't know how to describe it other than um, a complete feeling of, of wholeness that somehow being here in this, in this white room was um, very completing for me. It was a, it was a sense of, of deep peace. And, um, so I, and, and that was it. That, that was my dream. And, and was it the same room every single time? It was the same. Um, it was generally the same white room. Some details about it changed. Like in one, there was a mattress and another, there was a little box. Um, details about it changed, but the the sense of the white room was the same. Got it. And um, the 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 essence, the spirit of the room was the same. And um, I I would have this dream, and then my alarm would go off in the morning, and you know my days were just so busy. And you know the minute your eyes open, checking the phone, checking email, um, just kind of the entire busyness of the day got up and going. And so I, I just sort of dismissed it and I didn't really take it very seriously until um, a friend asked me if, you know, if I'd ever thought about looking for it. And at first I dismissed that idea. I thought that was ridiculous. You know, whoever had a dream and then went and tried to find it. But I just had the sense that like, maybe I did want more white room in my life. Maybe I did want more of this essence, this, 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 peace that I was feeling from the dream in my life. And um, so I started searching for it on Craigslist. And I mean, I had, I felt ridiculous and I had no idea what I was looking for. And I really didn't know what I was going to find, but I I had this feeling, this, this very specific feeling that um, somehow the space that I was looking for was looking for me too. Like, it was inevitable or it just had to happen. That was, that was the spirit of this adventure. And so I kept searching and I think that sort of um, knowing was what kept me going on a path that really didn't make much logical linear sense to me. And um, one day I'm scrolling through Craigslist and oh my gosh, there is that room. I mean, literally down to the detail of, you know, the, the, the warehouse windows and the concrete floors, the room, it was an apartment for rent in San Francisco, and there was an open house, of course, the very next day. So I, hmm. I, I pack up my things, I go to the open house, I walked in, um, I, I submitted my application, I got the apartment, and I moved in two weeks later. And everything just felt... Um, almost obvious, like, of course there would be the room, and of course there'd be the open house, and of course I would get it. Like, it felt like, um, I think, what, what has been called a peak experience, something where you just you just know how the story goes. Um, and I don't know what that force is. I don't know where it comes from, but um, that's, that's the experience, kinesthetically, that I had. And on my first night in the room, I, I, I moved in, and I... I sat down on the floor, you know, kind of taking my appointed place like I had in the dream. And I thought, okay, you know, I've done everything. So now this is when I feel complete and whole, right? This is when all those good, yummy feelings come to me when I'm awake and not just when I'm asleep. And uh, I sat down on the floor and I looked around and unexpectedly, I I just began to panic. Um, You know, none of it made any sense. What was I doing? What was this all about? I could feel my, my pulse increasing in my throat and, and just begin to sort of panic about what this was, what this was really um, leading me towards. And so I, I just, I guess, without any other way to turn, I just turned and looked at the room and I said, why am I here? And as clear as day, the room said back to me, it is time to paint. Hmm. And, um, I had painted all the time. I'd made art all the time as a little girl through high school, even into college, actually. But somewhere along the way, I, I just, I just started getting busy with other things, and um, I, I got really busy. And I just sort of forgot about this love of of the creative life, of, of making things, um, of uh, really tuning into my own true voice to create. And um, right then and there, I thought okay, I got to go to the art supply store. I got to, you know, get all my tools back together again. And um, 
And I did the next day and I began making and creating and experimenting and playing. And it was sort of like that critical voice. I don't, I don't know if you have it, but I have this, you know, kind of critic in my, my mind that, you know, says all these nasty things before I've even started, you know, it was, mm-hmm. there was something about maybe just that my, my malnourishment for the creative life that really put that critic in a corner and I was able to just create freely. But the, the, catch in the whole situation is that um, while I was, you know, euphorically making art and exploring all of this, I was also uh, working exhaustive hours at, at a startup. And um, I got to a place where, you know, I had one foot in the startup world and one foot in the painting world and everybody was losing. You know, my paintings didn't have my full attention. The startup didn't have my full attention. And I was exhausted. I was you know, it's like everything from the neck up was saying, we can do this, we can do this, mm-hmm. go, go, go. Mm-hmm. Um, and that everything from the neck down, the body was just, mm-hmm. was just, um, was just, I don't know, revolting, was, mm-hmm. was, was just really almost, um, was suffering deeply. And I, you know, one was going one way and the other was going the other way. And I just, I, I couldn't. I couldn't do it all. And I was really, really exhausted. Um, I was tired of all of the busyness of, um, of, of the business of aspect of, of the, the world that I was in, the meetings and the goals and all of the metrics and the hecticness that comes from, um, you know, just being a part of the corporate world. And, you know, admittedly, I, I adored it. Uh, but I realized that it was really causing a lot of trappings for me in my life. And so I got to a place after we launched our, our startup and we got it out into the world and, you know, kind of my duties had been fulfilled. Um, I just sat down and I thought, you know, what do I want to do? I've got two paths. I got two roads here, right? And And they're both equally interesting, but they're really different. And they're, they're coming from a different place inside of me. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And it was this very distinct, you know, what I now call this crossroads between should and must. And um, I sat there and I, I knew that I needed a rest, but not just a literal rest, not just like a vacation for a month. Um, but I also really wanted a restful mind. I wanted to um, to be free from all of these systems and structures and voices that were telling me how I should and shouldn't spend my days and essentially right live my life. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, I looked at my finances and I saw that I could buy myself a little bit of time just, just to step away, you know, from this, this life that I had actively built um, to just say, I don't know. I don't know, but I know I need to just stop. Mm-hmm. And um, when I saw that I could buy myself that window of time, I, I, I put in my notice and I quit and I, I stepped away from the, the startup and um, began, you know, what has unfolded as a, a kind of journey down these roads of should and must. And um, what I've learned since that day is that unfortunately, it's not a one time decision just because I chose must years ago doesn't mean that I'm still on that path. It is a daily decision. And just because I chose should for years doesn't mean that I can't choose must today or just because someone's been living their life in must forever doesn't mean they won't slip back into should on, on Saturday, right? Um, it is right. a constant choice, and we get to decide every time, should or must. What? Was the should part just to kind of give a little personal context and to understand, you know, so other I'm sure as so many people on this podcast right now are relating, I am my hands up, but the neck up lived there have spent many times without a body and just a head. So I get that. But where for you in that world, because it's so, you know, in one respect, glamorous, right? You're working with a startup. It's you know, there's some funding, it's exciting, it's, you know, gaining traction, the people are smart, everybody's in it. Where's the should in that for you? Well, I would say, um, I, the way I define should is um, anytime you make a decision 
for someone or something other than yourself. Should is any expectation, any obligation that's put on you from the outside in. Mm-hmm. It's when you can complete a sentence, you should fill in the blank, you should never, you should always. Uh, these are inherited belief systems that can come, um, they often come from very early on. They could come from your families. Uh, they could come from the community in which you're raised. They more likely than not, however, come from uh, the culture, the culture at large. Um, now, shoulds can be small, like, you know, somebody the other day said, oh, my gosh, you you know, you really should go see this movie. It's great. And, you know, that's, that's not really what we're talking about. Um, it's really the larger should. It's the things that when even something as large as culture that says you should do something, you should live your life in this way that you can just feel it in your whole body, like your muscles contract, you, you know, it's like you shrink, um, everything begins to tighten up and you just know in your body that that is not right for you. That's, that's really hard, right? We've got insidious should, um, you know, you should sit in the back of the bus because of your skin color. You shouldn't be educated because you're a girl. Um, you shouldn't, I mean, these, these are huge systems of thought and they can feel overwhelming, especially in the body. Um, when you think, but I'm, I'm just one person. How do I, how do I, um, actively participate in the system of should. Mm-hmm. Um, now, sometimes should could be smaller, like, you know, you should take care of everybody all the time and not take care of yourself. Actually, that's not small, that's huge. Mm-hmm. Uh, you should sacrifice yourself and make sure that everyone else gets what they need and you're last on the list. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, they're different for everybody. And, you know, what I'm learning as I walk this, this journey is that shoulds, um, I don't know if shoulds ever really go away. Maybe, maybe, I don't know, maybe they do, but I think more than anything, they, they transform and they change. Like, um, I'm actually going to look in my, in my notes here. I just made a list of my shoulds the other day and, um, and they, they change and just continuing to bring them into consciousness, continuing to bring them into awareness is what, is what releases their grip, um, their hold on us in our lives. I'd love to hear your list of shoulds. Okay, cool. I'm, I'm flipping through. I'm looking for okay. it. Okay. You know, the reason I ask this is because there's some good parts of that experience as well. You know, you were compelled to join this, you know, the startups and participate in that 150% and be part of it and be a, you know, a strong contributor. And I'm just wondering if like there was a point where something that felt aligned shifted into a should and what that point was for you. Um, because I think this is the point where we get confused because mostly when we start new endeavors or we start down a path and we bring our enthusiastic self, especially when we're young and, you know, we bring everything we have to something, it doesn't have the should energy. It has a lot of juicy, you know, alignment or this feels right. And otherwise I don't think it's possible to give 150%. It's just not possible. So at what point does that juice and that, you know, feeling of alignment that I'm in the right place at the right time and I'm giving everything I have turn into a should? When um, should is running the show, must get silence. There's a big problem when we can no longer have the, the energy or the time or um, create the space in our life to make sure we're continually keeping our pulse on must. Um, when, when should and must are in alignment is when you have got all systems moving forward. Mm-hmm. But when must is cut off, when, when we disconnect from the body, we run into problems. Mm-hmm. And um, so this begs the question of what is must, and you just, you just put your finger right on it. Must is, it's, it's who you are. It's what you believe truly deeply. When, I mean, when you are alone from the world, um, it's what you know to be true in your deepest nature. It is your convictions, it's your beliefs, it's, it's that which is beyond thought. It's, it's maybe pre-thought. It's just something that you know at a cellular level. Mm-hmm. It is um, 
that which is for you is is undeniable and inexplicable. It just it just is. Mm-hmm. And staying in touch with that force is um, is is that force is the source of our um, of our being. Mm-hmm. That is the that is the um, that is the song. Mm-hmm. Um, and and we have to keep the song alive mm-hmm. alive in our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason I'm like sort of pushing for really getting personal about this is because this yeah. is the hardest thing to do, to listen to <laughs> ourselves. I mean, I can't get enough of story specifics. Like, when was it when you realized that this was a should? When did that turn? What did it feel like? What was the message? Were you picking up a bottle and you just, you know, Ariana Huffington's story when she was uh, promoting Thrive about her like actually collapsing on the ground. And that was her shift from should to must. And, you know, because I don't, I personally feel like there's a way to figure this out without collapsing on the ground. And that if we can learn from each other, like exactly what was it? When did the rose colored glasses started getting a little brown? right? When did the lens start turning from rose to brown? Like, what did it smell (laughs) like? You know? So anything you could give us on that would be super helpful because a lot of this stuff I have found myself to feel like I can identify the must in a certain way. What I have a hard time doing is, is to figure out like, am I in a should path right now? Like that's, that's a hard piece for me. Interesting. Well, I think this is what Joseph Campbell would uh, say to his students, the, the great mythologist and philosopher, um, he would say, follow your bliss. Mm. Where is your rapture? He would say, follow your bliss and don't be afraid and doors will open where you didn't know they were going to be. Um, this is that, you know, you're, you're walking down the sidewalk and something catches your nose. Some scent takes you back to some place. This is, um, you're flipping through a magazine and this image just jumps out. You're on a hike and suddenly a tune comes into your head. You, um, you meet someone and gosh, they remind you of something really, really essential. Mm -hmm. Um, these are all like little mirrors, little clues that are mirroring back to you something inside of each of us that's alive. And we see it out there because it exists in here. Mm-hmm. And if we follow that, if we just keep going where our rapture is, that is, that is what he said. What he says is, um, it, it fulfills our desire, um, to have to experience being fully alive. And that's, um, it's like the feeling of being in love. Uh, right. You know, it's like, you just know, you yeah. just, no, I, I, it was interesting. Somebody said recently, um, oh, I get it. It's, it's like um, when you crack an egg. Should is cracking an egg, you know, just on the countertop. It's from the outside in. Mm-hmm. And must is when that egg cracks from the inside out. Yes. You can imagine a, a hand cracking the egg. It kills the life from the outside in, right? But if you allow the egg to to come into life on its own being, what, what happens? You get a, a you know you get an alive baby in there. That's from the inside. They're both cracking the egg, but one is killing the life, and the other is bringing it into being. That should and must. And and I think if you bring awareness to your should. So I found the list. Yeah. Of my should. So maybe this will. Yeah, we're we're really opening the kimono here. Um. <laughs> So um, I wrote these on last week. Um, I wrote, um, you should never age. Mm. So this is an interesting one, right? I'm, I'm um, beginning to see my body change. I'm beginning to see my body age. And I'm at a point where I have to decide how am I going to approach um, aging as a woman in today's culture? Um, is it something that I, I want to just let unfold naturally? Is it something that I want to modify? Is it something that maybe I do a little of both? And um, I realize that this is tricky for me because advertising tells me that, that I should 
be flawless and a size two and 18 years old forever. Mm-hmm. And um, this idea of aging um, is really hard to do if I have to be 20 years old forever. Um, and as I think about how I want to age, bringing this idea of what uh, women are or are not supposed to look like, all these images that have kind of been my teachers, right? Yes. As I have grown up as a woman um, in today's, you know, Western world, um, they have been subtle guides showing me what I should or shouldn't do. Um, so that's one that I'm, I'm navigating. And the more I can bring it into awareness, the more I can choose consciously how I want to deal with it. Yes. Um, another should is um, you should stay silent and not stand up for yourself. Mm. That's yeah. a big one. Mm-hmm. That is a big one. And I don't know where I learned this silence, but I just recently I was listening to um, this rap song by the band Outcast, a really popular rap song. And um, in the lyrics, it says, um, I'm not going to say the B word, but it's, it says, you know, the B word for a woman. It says in the lyrics, it kept repeating, she's a B, she's a B, she's a stupid, dumb B. And I'm listening to this music as I'm sitting there having a conversation with somebody who's, who's playing this song for me. And I'm realizing that I felt like I shouldn't say anything. Like I shouldn't rock the boat. I shouldn't. I shouldn't ask, you know, them to turn the channel. You know, I I should be okay with music that doesn't respect women because, you know, that's a popular band and I'd just be making a big deal about it. And I realized that's ridiculous. I don't want to hear that. Yeah. And it's a great, when you realize, you know, what's happening, I can say, oh, hey, do you mind if we change the channel? Or, hey, do you mind if we turn that off? Or, you know, I really need to listen to music that's respectful towards all people. You know, I, it's the same thing with, with TV, right? You know, watching films and TV shows and advertisements that are, are filled with so many guns and people being murdered and violence. That's just a part of popular culture. Well, I can choose not to participate in that. I can choose to not watch those movies or to change the channel. And I'm, I'm realizing I actually really prefer it. There's a whole host of, of movies without violence and, and tons of murder that's that's wonderful. And, yeah. and it feels better to me in my body. My body yeah. is, that's the world I want to live in. So as, as you keep going into your shoulds and looking at them, you realize that they can create subtle shifts um, in how you act day to day. Yeah. Beautiful. So helpful. And I'm adding those two to my should. I mean, my, now that I get what you're doing, I think my list has already gotten to 10 already, but I'm new. So this is like my first list. So hopefully, (laughs) hopefully we, uh, you know, they get smaller and smaller as we go into this practice. That's super helpful. Now I want to touch on something that you spend some time on that I think is really important. And it's important for somebody like me because I like to have a clear path and goals and set intentions and get to where I'm going. And you pretty much kind of wipe that all out with the um, your Joseph Campbell quote, which basically, you know, states that if you can see your path, then it's not your path. So I would love to have you talk about that and what your angle is on that. I thought it was wonderful and it gave me a huge sigh of relief and it scared me to death. <laughs> it's uh yes, yes. Well, I think one of your, your goals, one of your intentions can certainly be uh, that, that must continues to reveal itself in your life. Mm. That's a great goal. Um, an intention could definitely be to... Um, to have the body speak louder, to have dreams be be more vivid, to have um, time in the morning where you can remember your dreams before the busyness of the day sets in. Um, you know, maybe maybe your intention is about um, asking for for your dreams to be really fully revealed that you're that you're listening, that you're there. Um, I think there can be a lot of of goals and. Um, intentions that, that serve must and, and must certainly needs us to roll up our sleeves. It's, um, I, must isn't like eating chocolate all day. Um, I think, I think that's something I've been a little caught off guard by that, um, 
Must is really freaking hard because it takes you to the edge of yourself and then asks you to jump. Um, it, it, is, it is that place um, where you are at the, the burning point of your own growth. Um, you are both trying to see the path and walk the path and create the path all at the same time. Mm. It's a bit um, other dimensional, I think. And I, that scares me so much um, mm. because I do want to have it all laid out and I do want to know how the story ends and I do want to know if the world gets built. Um, and I guess just for me and in my own journey, and, and I'm sure it's different for all of us, um, how how might we hold um, our plans loosely and lightly? Um, how might the... Um, how might the, you know, I think of elephants and how enormous, you know, and strong their bodies are and the wisdom that they carry. And I, I believe elephants can carry like generations of wisdom just in their bodies. Um, there's something about, you know, what, what do we need to do in our lives to get that elephant moving in, in a way that is um, congruent with our deepest, truest self. And I would say the number one thing, and I, I don't, I can't think of a single person in all the different examples that I've looked at who's been able to follow must without this one thing, and it's space. Yeah. A dedicated space. And now that might be a physical space or it might be a psychological space. So that could be, you know, a room or that could be a spot at the library or it could be... Um, just a time of the day when you are not interruptible, where you you aren't taking kids, you know, to, to um, school or where you are with yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and that space uh, has been famously, you know, coined a room of one's own, that solitude, that, that place where you get to just hear yourself think, as my mother has famously said, you know, her whole life. That place, that's, that's where must has a chance at being heard. Um, yeah. So I would say if, if you're looking for must, if you want to make more time for it, um, find one of two things. Find a dedicated room. Maybe you just clear off the desk. Maybe you just you know, clear off the wall. Some sort of a dedicated place uh, where you can just begin to work things out um, and or find just 10 minutes, you know, where at a particular moment in time when we are so busy and we are addicted to being busy. And um, if you want to find must, you know, but you've, you've got so many other obligations on your plate, I would say you, didn't, you really need to find 10 minutes. Find someone else to watch the kids. Find someone else to um, help out, cook the dinner, someone else who can lighten the load um, just so you can carve out that time. And in those 10 minutes, I truly believe that if you are faithful to them, they will swell. It's like it's like creating a garden. You don't even get to grow a garden if you don't first clear the soil. Yeah. You've got to clear it. You've got to just prepare it, and, and those seeds will begin to plant. They will begin to take root in your life. What's so lovely and interesting about that, to bring this all full circle, is that you know Carl Jung also had a recurring dream of a house and houses and rooms and, and rooms and houses actually represent different parts of our unconscious. And uh, I think that your unconscious with your white room, and it's interesting that there was really mostly nothing in that white room when you were dreaming of it was probably just begging to be revealed. And it's interesting that this is your work that you had this awakening in that space. I mean, without the space, I, I don't know if this could have happened for you. That's a very interesting angle. Well, it's Ariana Huffington in her book, uh, her biography about Picasso, which is terrific. Um, she identifies a really wise insight about his work in his life. And she said, the more I studied about his life and the more I delved into his art, the more the two converged. Yeah. And um, Picasso had said that, you know, it's, he had kind of denied this fact and he had said, no, it's, it's not what an artist 
does that counts. It, it's who they are. Right. And Ariana said, um, Picasso's work was so thoroughly autobiographical that what he did was what he was. They were all one and the same. And, you know, I guess where, where I'm going with my work now is um, I'm looking more at what shoulds are like as a woman. Yeah. Um, I'm looking more at what society um, tells me I should and shouldn't do. Now, whether, you know, you're a woman or a man or African-American or Latino, it's, if, if you look at those uh, belief systems, those constraints, those, those things that imprison you, uh, you can begin to unlock them. You essentially hold the key to your own freedom. And I, as I look at this, um, it's leading me to this, um, I guess, emerging insight. Um, which I, I hinted on, I hinted at in the book, but there's this idea of, um, you know, what if you can, you could be so um, symbiotic with your work, your your who you are and what you do are one and the same, that you could no longer parse the person from the product, you could no longer separate the creation from the creator, because what you create is yourself. It is quite literally a body. Of work, what if it was no longer just about creating art with our life, but um, also, and maybe much more interestingly, um, turning our entire life into a work of art? I mean, I, I can imagine no more masterpiece than the art of creating your own life. You are your own roll of film. You are your own blank slate, your own movie, and you get to write the play. You get to create it. And it can be anything you want. And if you can release the shoulds or or bring them into consciousness, you know, wrap your arms around them and and integrate them, choose what you want to keep and what you're going to let fall away. Um, My my hunch, and I don't know, I don't know, uh, maybe we'll be talking in a few years, maybe I will have figured some part of this out. My hunch is that that's that's what we get to create. That that it's it's our every single day. It's not just a painting on a museum. It's it's who we become every day. Imagine that your entire life is a Picasso. Your entire being is a Manet. I mean, I don't I don't know. I I guess I have a lot of questions here. But my hunch is that 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 might be the ultimate work of art. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm, now I'm just rambling. I'm, I, I, no, I mean, I'm just my jaws on the floor because I'm panting for it. You know, what's interesting about that and, I, you know, not to just like be in process myself during this wonderful podcast, but I'm just coming again, full circle again. Now with my dream, I'm thinking, okay, if that's true and emerging women, it's so interesting how I spend a lot of time you know, making emerging women about the women who are in the community and really focused on emerging women is really a collective of Mm. speakers and authors and sponsors and participants and members and, you know, different people that are plugging into the system. And yet here I'm having this dream where I'm at always at somebody else's house And I'm looking for my sense of home, but this whole realization that you are bringing forward, that I, as a woman, have been super, people have said this to me before, like, you are emerging women. Emerging women is you. And I always resist Mm. it, you know, because I'm like, no, it's about all of us. And we're doing this collectively. And, you know, my team's always, like, both is true. But I definitely own more of the collective side of it than I do own my participation in my personal creation of it and I think that that is it's linked to the dream sister it's linked to the recurring house and rooms dream and I'm just coming to this now on this podcast okay so are you ready for something that's that's really gonna bake your noodle okay let's do it okay we're gonna go there so a uh, friend told me recently um, that when we dream, we dream for everybody. Ooh. Oh, that's good. 
That's so good. I felt that physically. Mm. I love that. I when love we that. dream, we dream for everybody that our dreams are shared. Yeah. Yeah. That's fabulous. <laughs> well, I, I think what you're... I, I won't actually, I think what I'm picking up on is um, I have this sense that um, we're at a really unique moment in time and there is something operating, uh, dare I say, in the, the collective dream. Yes. Um, there's something happening in the body. Um, let's, let's just expand it from the body of, of, of my body or your body into the entire body of the earth, um, which is the ultimate body. Um, there is something happening um, where shoulds are um, coming into awareness. And we have been all about the shoulds um, as women for um, a very, very long time, yeah. for thousands of years. And um, I believe there is some there's something happening right now, and maybe this is... Um, I don't know, I'm, I'm the emerging women, emerging, the emerging consciousness, this emergent should. There is a rise of must. There is a rise of, of um, this, this bodily um, spirit, power, yeah. dreams, uh, whatever it might be, um, it's, it's happening. And we are at this unbelievable uh, moment in time when um, how we dance with that and how we bring it into awareness and how we how we um, order our lives around it um, will affect not only our generation but the next and the next and quite possibly um, if there even is a next right yeah. I just I just was reading the other day about um, you know the the incredible temperatures rising off the coast of California and um, the, the ice melting, um, reading about um, the, I think by 2050, the uh, 25 to 37% of the world's um, species that we currently have will be um, on the, on an irreversible path towards extinct extinction. Yeah. And some of those animals include tigers and um, rhinos, macaws, and pandas. It's so strange to me to think that my nephew, um, if, if he has children, his children might not ever know what um, a rhinoceros is. Yeah. Um, and we're, I think, at a moment where this, this emergent consciousness has something to say about that. And I think there's wisdom there. And, and it's an exciting, fruitful time and, and to see what we do with it together. And I think that's that's the bit, is that we can't do any of it alone. Uh, if anything, yeah. I'm learning about the power of community and the power of interconnectedness, which is why what you're doing is so amazing. Bringing all of these, um, all of this intelligence together and, and having this dialogue is, is raising the intelligence for everyone, everywhere. Uh, maybe other people will now be more attuned to their dreams and sharing them more and who knows? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's definitely catching in our community here. And emergence is fueled by must. It's a compulsion. It's, there's no, yes. you know, there's really no decision making at that point. You're taken over by the energy of must. And that's what allows you to emerge. That fuels the emergence. So I so enjoyed this conversation and I really appreciate, likewise, what you're doing and what you stand for. And I love that you're bringing this back into the startup world and also more established corporations. It's a bit like subterfuge sometimes. I know it feels like that, but you are doing really important work. And I feel like it's been you know, a pleasure to have you on the podcast. And we're very excited mm -hmm. to see you in person at the event in October. So that's going to be oh, fabulous. I can't wait. I can't wait. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because we need the, we need the startups. 
Yeah. We need the corporations. We need total. Um, we need this. This. I. I. I think the emergence is happening where it is for yeah. a reason. Yeah. Um. And and ultimately, we need we need to get as many um, minds on board as we can. And the um, which is what I love what you just said. But maybe the, before we go, I just wanted to say I you just answered something that I've been racking my head about. You just you just answered it for me, and I want was to that? share it with you. You yeah. just you said when it comes to must, there's no decision making. Yes. It is emergent. Yes. There's no decision making. And I keep thinking about how must or should is a choice. And, you know, you choose should or you choose. No. Must is like being in love. It is unavoidable. It is not. There's no decision to be made. It has been made. It has always been made. It is. It just is. It's like the grass growing. It just does. It doesn't choose. It's like a, a, a spider's web. It doesn't decide how it wants the design to be. It is emergent. The beauty is emergent from yeah. the creature. So I thank you. Thank you for that. Oh, so great. You know, should seems conditional. Must seems inevitable. This is why we got to keep talking about We got to keep talking, girl. I love it. This is what it's all about. I love it. Well, thank you. Yes, thank you so much. Yes. Really, really delight. Okay, and we'll see you in October. Thank you so much, Hal. Have a great day. You too.